Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. Our mission is to make disciples who are radically devoted to Christ, having both a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. We, uh, we lost the patriarch of our church family this past Thursday. Don Anderson was 92 years old. His visitation, his wake will be this afternoon here at the church. His funeral will be tomorrow at 11 o'clock. For you who may be newer to our church, maybe you're visiting or you're, or you're completely new, uh, this uh, was a very, very special dear man of God. He was the epitome of the wise old owl. When Don spoke, everybody listened. Uh, he served in leadership of this church, helping direct God's work here for close to five decades. He served alongside of three senior pastors, dozens of deacon boards, building committees, search committees, most recently the oversight team. He was a man of great vision. I want you to understand, even in his 90s, even in his 90s, he was continually dreaming what God could do at the corners of Douglas and Plainfield Road. And even in his 90s, last year, he wanted to talk to me about the next worship center and make sure it wasn't too small. I'm thinking, Don, I don't want to build another building right away. <laughs> and he's thinking, he's thinking, oh, it needs to be here and it needs to be this and just continually. Uh, Don Anderson was a renaissance man. He, he played the piano. He played the violin. He could give you the Latin names of trees and shrubs. Uh, he was an exceptional student of God's word, uh, especially prophecy, his expertise. He was a chemical engineer holding numerous patents in that field, uh, served in leadership at Nalco Chemical Company. Um, you'd never know it, though, by his humble demeanor. He would drive around in his old pickup truck and uh, tireless, tirelessly working the church grounds uh, w- with friends of our church, beautifying God's property. You'd see him out there on his gator. You can see the back of it. And he'd be weed eating, or, he, or in the fall, he was there with his rake, again, in his 90s, spreading mulch for the kids of our church at the playground. Uh, He loved this church. He loved the church grounds as well he should because most of this property used to be his. Of the 54 acres, 32, all the way up from where we are, all the way up to the tree line, was a gift from Don Anderson to further the work of this church. You are sitting on land that Don gave to you that Don gave to me, that Don gave to his God. That's where you're sitting, on his land. He loved popping into the church during the week, uh, spending time with the staff. I can't tell you how many times he would just pop in my office, poke his head around the corner. Um, Loved spending time with our staff, grabbing a cup of coffee, always black. Don't dare put that junk in it. Um, It's funny, though, but the cafe is named in his honor out there. That's why it's called Don and June's, named for him and his sweet wife, June. And uh, by the way, next week, uh, we're going to honor Don. All the drinks, every drink is for free. So all the cafe drinks out there, everything is for free. So when you come in, you you grab a cup of coffee, any kind you want, and it's free. If you want to leave something, you can, but anything left is going to go to Benevolence Fund is, is what we're going to do. 
Uh, I'm going to miss his wry smile, his patient demeanor. Uh, I'm going to miss his depth of wisdom. I'm going to miss his friendship. He's a very special man. It's good to remember people. It's good to remember people. It's, it's good to remember special times. It's good to remember special events. It's good to remember. It, it's good to have our minds stirred is what it is. And that's exactly how Peter felt. And that's exactly what Peter teaches this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Second Peter. Second Peter. And he's going to teach us some things. Most importantly, Peter's going to teach us that it's good to remember. It's good to remember. Why? Because sometimes we forget important truths. And sometimes we think hearing it once is enough. It's not. And we have to understand that remembering is a vital part of our spiritual growth. You need to remember if you're going to grow spiritually. I need to remember if I'm going to grow spiritually. And so Peter wants us to remember. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start, or, or 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to start chapter 3 this morning. I want you to read along with me verse 1 and 2. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 1, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you. In which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord, our, the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. And you may say, well, it's just two little verses. Oh, but there's so much there. And we're going to walk through these two little verses and then we're going to walk back through other passages and do just what Peter says to do. To remember. Because it's good. Now, the first thing I want you to learn is this. It's, it's good to remember why. Number one is why. Because it stirs up our minds. Say that with me. To stir up our minds. And that's what he says in verse one. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Now, I want you to notice what Peter does. He stirs up our minds with love. That's how he starts. And this is a great way to help people remember something. Stir up their mind with love. Don't stir up their mind because you're angry at them. Don't stir up their mind with, with sarcasm. Don't stir up somebody's mind because you love them. And stir up their mind with love. And so that's what he says. He, he, he writes this with affection and gentleness and care. And he's going to use this word beloved four times in this chapter. In verse 1, in verse 8, in verse 14, and in verse 17. He, he wants them to know how much he loves them. I want you to understand, it's never a beat down with the, apostles, uh, uh, with the apostle Peter and, and his authority. He didn't come in hard and said, I want you to listen to me. I'm Peter the Apostle. I walked on water with Jesus. And by the way, my feet were washed by Jesus. And I saw the resurrected Jesus. And I belonged to the inner circle of Jesus. And I witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus. So listen to me. He never does that. He says, I love you. So will you please listen to what I have to say? Beloved, 
is what he wants you to know that you are. He says, you are loved no matter what you're facing in this life right now. You are loved even if you feel like no one else in this world loves you right now. You are loved no matter how hard your life is right now. I want you to know you are loved. So he stirs up their memory and he stirs up our memory with love. And then he stirs it up by way of a second letter. He says, by the way, I'm writing you again. I'm writing you again. You'd think he would have started this at the beginning of the letter. I'm writing you again. But it's two-thirds the way through the letter. He says, I'm writing you again, beloved. He stirs it up with love. He stirs it up with a second letter. He stirs up our memory by stirring up our minds. That's what it says, in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. And, and, and this is the second time he's going to refer to this. In chapter 1, he said something similar in verse 12. I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. Now, he's exercising the ministry of reminder is what he's doing. And it's a ministry to help somebody remember something. It's very similar to the Apostle Paul who said in Philippians chapter 3, to write the same things again is no trouble to you and it's a safeguard for you. It's no trouble for me and it's a safeguard for you. In other words, it's good to hear things over and over and over again. Didn't you do that with your children? Reminded them over and over and over again that you need to brush your teeth before you go to bed. You need to wash your hands before you come to dinner. And you need to say please and you need to say thank you. And, and by the way, you need to look both ways before what? How many times did you tell them that? Think about it. And why did you tell them that? For the same reason Paul says it is a safeguard for you. So he says, this is a safeguard for you to hear truths again. This is a safeguard for you to hear the same things again, to refresh your memory, to stimulate your thinking. That is what he is talking about. Stirring up our mind is kind of like a spiritual spoon to our brains. And he's saying, listen, the truth has settled and it needs to be stirred up again. You you know what it's like. You go in the basement or in that closet or out in the garage and there's that can of paint. You just don't open it and start painting with it. No, it's settled. You've got to stir it up and shake it up to the the colors get vibrant again. He's saying the truth in some of our minds has settled. It's no longer vibrant. He's saying, I want to shake you and wake you and stir you up again to the importance of these truths so that they affect your life and change your life. And and there's a vibrancy, spiritually speaking, in your life. And there's nothing wrong with repetition. There's nothing wrong with review. So many times people just want what's fresh. Give me what's new. Give me what's novel. Give me what's fresh. And sometimes it's really good to hear the good old things. Kind of like just as I am. Without one play. It's good to hear those old hymns sometimes. It's good to hear new things too. But let me tell you something. When it comes to the truth of the word of God. Sometimes we need to just get back to the basics. And hear what God's word has to say. 
He stirs with love and he stirs with a second letter and he's stirring up our minds. And then he uses an interesting phrase. He says, I'm stirring up your sincere minds. Your pure minds. Look at verse 1. That's the description he uses. And what a contrast to the minds of the false teachers we've been studying. They're not sincere. What a contrast to the minds of unbelievers who reject the gospel. They're not sincere. As a matter of fact, we read in Ephesians chapter 4 that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. What a description of the minds of the world. Futile and darkened and ignorant and hardened. It's the difference between a cold, hard stone and a pliable, soft sponge. Putting into water or putting into the word of God. I want to encourage you to be the sponge. Soak in the truth of God's holy word. Soak in the truth of who he is and what he has to say to you. Don't have a rock for a brain. Don't have a rock for a heart. Be the sponge and soak in. And when you come into God's house, come in as a sponge. Don't come in as a rock complaining about the worship and complaining about the temperature and complaining who's sitting in my seat and complaining how far I had to walk. You're a rock. Come in here as a sponge. Say, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want to teach me? How do you want to change me? What do I need to learn? What are the truths that you want me to hear in these songs? What are the truths that you want me to hear from your your holy scriptures? What are the truths that you want me to hear from brothers and sisters in Christ? Don't come in here as a rock Come in here as a sponge, ready to grow, ready to learn. It's a fascinating word, this word sincere. He says, I want to stir up your sincere minds. Our English word comes from the Latin that literally means without wax. Sincere meaning without wax? What's that all about? Well, back in the day, there were some unethical potters who sometimes would cover up the cracks of their pottery with wax. And then sell you the pottery. There was a way to find out if they had put wax in it or not. The flaws in the pottery could be detected by holding it up to the sun. And you could see the crack and where the wax was. It would reveal it. So sincere pottery was literally sun-judged pottery. We need to have sun-judged minds. To make sure we don't have any cracks. Make sure we don't have any sin spots. No insincerity shining through. So listen to the word of God sincerely. And study the word of God sincerely. And read the word of God sincerely. It's good to remember. It's good to have our minds stirred. Is the first thing he teaches us. Secondly it's good to remember. Not only the why but the what. 
the what? It's good to remember the what? The what of the holy word of God. Specifically, the words of the prophets, the commands of the Lord, and the quotes from the apostles of the Lord. We see this in verse 2 of 2 Peter chapter 3. That you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. So he says it's, it's, he says it's important to remember the words of the prophets. And, and Peter taught us earlier concerning prophets and prophecies in Second Peter chapter 1. We have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to what? Pay attention. Pay attention. As to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So he has told us about prophets and prophecies and the importance of it earlier. And he's saying, I want you to read the prophets of the Old Testament. You may say, well, what are the prophets of the Old Testament? There's a division there. There's the major prophets and the minor prophets. In your Bibles, you have the major prophets who are Isaiah and Jeremiah and Lamentations and Ezekiel and Daniel. In your Bible, you also have the 12 called the minor prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So you have the major prophets and you have the minor prophets. And you may say, well, why are they called major, minor? Major basically just means not that they're more important. Minor doesn't mean they're less important. Major means that they're just longer books. And that the content of those books is broader. Minor means that they're just shorter. And that there's more of a narrow focus to the content And sadly, many Christians do just the opposite of what Peter says here. Peter says, would you please remember the prophets? How few Christians read the major prophets? How few Christians study the minor prophets? Oh, we're quick to go to that Revelations book. Or the Pentateuch, the first five books. Or the Gospels. Or Psalms or Proverbs. I want to encourage you, church, to start doing what Peter tells you to do. Pick up your Bible and study the prophets. The big books of prophecy. The smaller books of prophecy. Well, I tried reading them and I don't understand it. Well, then buy a commentary. Or Google something worth while Googling. You Google everything else. How about we start Googling things that count for something? Let's start studying God's word because it counts for something. A whole lot more than most of the stuff we Google in this world. So, so let's do what Peter says and, and let's go into the prophets. The major prophets and the minor prophets. And let's remember the words of the prophets. And then let's remember the commands of the Lord. That's what he says next in 2 second, in second Peter chapter 3. And the commandment of the Lord and Savior. And Jesus gives us a lot of commands in scripture depending on who's counting. There's between 125 and 147 commands of Jesus in scripture. Others say there's about 50 because of overlap. Well then, that's a big difference. Why don't you start counting them then? I start reading the commands. But I want you to understand... Commandment of the Lord is singular. 
So more than likely, he's saying the sum of all of Jesus' teaching. Why don't you study the sum of all of Jesus' teaching? Open up the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read the red letters. And let's see what Jesus says about life, living, and study his life. So, So remember the words of the prophets, and remember the commands of the Lord, and remember the quotes of the apostles of the Lord. That's what he's saying, spoken by your apostles. So, so read the epistles, not just the gospels. Dig into these letters of the apostles and and notice two things that he says here in verse 2. Spoken by your apostles. He says they're your apostles. Not just any apostles. There's a closeness. The apostles serve you. They are God's gift to us, the church and his people. And notice that Peter is equating the books of the holy prophets with the books and letters of the apostles. He puts them all on the same level. Similar to Ephesians 2.19. Nor of God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and what? Prophets. That's the word of God. And Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So it's good to remember why to stir up our minds. It's good to remember what? The words of the prophets, the Lord and the apostles. And it's good to remember, so let's put it into practice. That's the third thing. Let's practice what Peter preached and let's remember. And when we review the letters of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, we see all kinds of references in there. And if we were to study the words of the prophets and the Lord Jesus and the apostles, four different categories emerge. Peter will quote things about the Lord Jesus. He will look at things in our life. He will look at the word of the living God and he will talk about false prophets. Now, Peter quotes a lot of scripture. He will have seven direct passages quoted from the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. He will have ten in the prophets. He will have three quotes from the Psalms. He will have three quotes from the Proverbs. He will have 23 direct quotes from the Old Testament. You know what that tells me? Peter knew his Bible. And by the way, that's, that's direct quotes from Scripture. That's not counting all of the allusions to other passages when it's not even a direct quote. So 23 direct quotes from the Old Testament. We're going to review all that right now, Pastor Scott? How are we going to narrow this down? Service can't go two to three hours. Who said? <laughs> I'm preaching, man. <laughs> We're going to narrow it down. There's an easy way to do that. There's no quotes of the Lord Jesus or the apostles quoting the Lord. We're going to narrow it down. We're not going to look at any of the Proverbs because that's not necessarily prophecy. We're going to narrow it down. We're going to stay in 1 Peter because we've been studying 2 Peter and we've recently been seeing a lot of that prophecy even dealing with false prophets. And finally, we're going to just look at three different scriptures that he gives us. One that deals with our lives. One that deals with the word of God. And one that deals with Jesus. So may God's word stir our minds all over again. And these are truths that you've heard. But for some of us they have settled. Let's stir them up again. And return to vibrancy. The first one we're going to look at deals with our lives. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. And it is Peter's very first Old Testament quote out of the 23. 
1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Say it with me. You shall be holy for I am holy. It is a quote from Leviticus, the book of Moses. And you may say, whoa, 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 whoa. Moses wasn't a prophet. Says who? Deuteronomy 34.10, since that time no prophet has arisen in Israel like who? That's the same Moses, just to let you know. The context of 1 Peter 1.16 in this passage that he quotes in Isaiah is the former lusts, ignorant lusts of our life in 1 Peter. Now, he's saying, you know better, be holy. Don't go back to the old way you used to live, be holy. We, we, we learned this last week, Proverbs 26.11. Like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool that repeats his folly. Don't be a fool. Don't go sniffing the sins of your past. Don't go licking up the sins of your past. Don't you dare eat the vomitous sins of your past. Don't go back there. He's calling us to holiness. And he says, this is the character of God. You shall be holy for I am holy. God is many things. He has many characteristics, many character traits of absolute perfection all at the same time. But God most certainly is holy. There is no other characteristic repeated of God, not once, not twice, but three times. Holy, holy, holy. The angelic beings never cease to proclaim his threefold holiness. In the vision of Isaiah, when he sees the Lord high and lifted up and the seraphim above him, each with six wings, covering their face, covering their feet, and, and, and flying. We read, and one, called one, and, and one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In Revelation 4, 8, the four living creatures, each one having six wings full of eyes around and within, day and night do not cease to say, say it with me, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. For all of eternity, God's holiness is proclaimed. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy. A holy God has called us to be holy children. If holiness is this important to God, it needs to be this important to you. What would people proclaim about your life if they had something to proclaim one word three times? But they say you're holy. He's holy. She's holy. They're pure. They're godly. They're above reproach. One word three times, what would people say about you? You know what God wants heard of you? That you're holy. That you're holy. That you're holy. It's a personal holiness. Be holy yourselves. In other words, I need to work on me and you need to work on you and I don't need to be taking the log out of anybody else's eye except my own. 
I need to stop looking at the speck in other people's eyes. And you need to stop looking at the speck in other people's eyes. And you need to look in the mirror and say, God, where am I not holy? What is not right in my life? What needs to change so that I am more like your holiness, God? Peter says, I'm stirring up your brain. You're not as holy as you need to be. What needs to change in your life and my life? Purity has to be the priority. And he says there in this verse, in all your behavior, not some of your behavior, not most of it, but all of your behavior, the places we go need to be holy. The things we touch need to be holy. The language that comes out of our mouth needs to be holy. The images we watch on our phones and our TVs and our computers need to be holy. The words we listen to need to be holy. Every day of our life, holiness. So let's stop making excuses for our lack of holiness and let's start making changes to assure our holiness. No more excuses for your lack of holiness. It's time for changes to assure we are living in holiness. It's kind of like that house of ours and yours that looks pretty clean, maybe for the most part, when you have guests coming over. Oh, but there's that one closet that you hope nobody opens. Maybe there's that one closet in your life, it's time to clean it out. We'll feel so much better if we did. Robert Murray McShane said, I am persuaded that God's happiness is inseparably linked with his holiness. One reason there are many unhappy Christians, I believe, is because there are many unholy Christians. Maybe the reason you are unhappy, lack of joy, is because you are unholy. Let's clean up our lives. We're called to this God-likeness. And and he says, you shall be holy for I am holy. Relationship with God demands resemblance to God. Understand this. Relationship with God demands resemblance to God. You shall be holy for I am holy. The Father's clear desire is for his children to look like him. Children often resemble their parents, some more closely than others. Which of us will most resemble our Heavenly Father? Holiness is the difference. Holiness. So let the prophets stir our minds and our lives. Uh, Let let our, our minds also be stirred, not just personally, but also on the word of God. Look at back at 1 Peter chapter 1, now verse 24 and verse 25. And he gives us a quote from one of the major prophets, Isaiah. And it's a quote from Isaiah 40, verse 6 through 8. All flesh is like grass, all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord, what? It endures forever. So everything in this life withers except the word. All flesh, all life on this planet withers. All human existence withers. You and I wither. Life is short. It's frail. It's temporal. We have an expiration date, each and every one of us. He says all of its glory is like the flower of grass. 
So all of the highlights of your life and all of the highlights of my life, all the achievements, all the awards, all the trophies, all the business deals made, all the victories won, it's a blooming flower of power and popularity that's going to fall petal by petal by petal to the ground. It's not going to last. It's all short-lived. Day by day, we face the inevitable end of our shriveling state of physical existence. That's the truth of the matter. Live like you're not here for very long, because you're not. And leave a legacy. Leave a legacy like Don Anderson. Make a difference in people's lives. Everything withers, but not the word. The word of God endures when all else decays. The grass withers, the flower falls off. The word of the Lord endures forever. So let's value the living eternal word of God. Read the Bible. Study your Bible. Memorize your Bible. Spend more time in that which is eternal and less time in that which is temporal. Read the word of the living God every single solitary day of your life. Every day. It's the only thing on this planet that's eternal. Outside the souls of men. And it's hard to read them. So spend time in God's word. Spend time under God's word like you're doing today. Don't miss church. Be in church. Prioritize God's house. Prioritize your life groups. Prioritize Bible studies. Prioritize God's word. It's eternal. It's life changing. Let the prophets stir our minds on Jesus. Let the prophets stir our minds on the word of God. And let the prophets, let the prophets stir our minds on the Lord. Let them stir our minds on us and our lives and on the word of God. And now look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 6, for this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be what? You're not going to be disappointed. So, So now there's a couple prophecies he combines. Peter quotes from Isaiah 28, verse 16, and he also quotes from Psalm 118, verse 22 through 23. And, and, and let's look at these prophecies and what they mean. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. He says, I lay this in Zion. The father did. Zion is another name for Jerusalem. The foundation of your salvation was put in place in God's holy city of Jerusalem, where he was crucified and risen. He, he is That choice stone is the next phrase. Most important, beyond comparison, this choice stone who is fully God and fully man was lay in Zion as that foundation. Precious, he says next. It's a precious stone. Precious meaning absolutely perfect and sinless is Jesus. And he's the cornerstone. Now the history of the cornerstone... It's the first and most important stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. 
normally a massive stone set in the corner of two walls, provides stability for the entire structure. All other stones were set in reference to this stone. It determined the position of the entire structure. It determined the perpendicular, horizontal, directional lines for the entire building. The building's plumb line. It had to be perfect to establish precise symmetry. That is Jesus. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Jesus is first and most important. He provides eternal security and stability. He, everything else is set in reference to Jesus in this universe. He is perfect. He is sinless. He is spotless. That's who your savior is. And he says, by the way, he who believes in him is not going to be disappointed. You put all your eggs in Jesus, so to speak. You will not be disappointed. Place your faith in him. Precision and perfection are in him alone. Strength and stability are in him alone. You will not be disappointed to believe in him and to believe on him. Disbelief brings disappointment. Every other building in the world is going to fall down. Every other religious building Every other spiritual building, everything else is going to collapse upon itself. You don't have Jesus, you got the wrong foundation. You don't have Jesus in your marriage, you have the wrong foundation. You don't have Jesus in your parenting, you have the wrong foundation. You don't have Jesus in your business, you have the wrong foundation. And by all means, if you do not have Jesus for your salvation, you have the wrong foundation. You cannot be saved apart from Jesus. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Is Jesus and Jesus alone, John 14, 6. Say it with me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You know what Peter says? He says it's good to remember. Why? To stir up our minds. What? The words of the prophets and the Lord and the apostles. And it's good to remember and practice what Peter preached. So continue to stir up your minds and let your life be stirred up. Stir up your minds on the word of the living God. And by all means, stir up your minds by thinking and studying and knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit atharvest.church.